channel. Welcome to Winnie's Patreon special episode number 31. I'm your host, Chris Zellner. Joined as always by my co-host, David Bixen's fan. And Bix, we're not alone on this Patreon special this week, because we have a special guest. Well, we had to for this one, I think. Yes, we did. As you know from listening to the main show the past couple of weeks, we've been mentioning that this show will be covering uh, the build-up to ECW's first pay-per-view, Barely Legal, well, in 1997. The build-up to ECW securing the deal to get on pay-per-view, Barely Basically, yes. Yes. In that way. In that way. Because if we had done all the way to that, <laughs> who knows what we, oh, how we would have done. we had had angles and storylines, <laughs> th- yeah, and the- results, like this... Well, I said we. I told. I said in the main show we weren't going to be doing that stuff. I know. So, but anyway, there's a lot here. Anyway, so we went to the foremost expert, a man who did a tremendous documentary about the history of ECW a few years ago. We got Jeremy Borash, <laughs> a dear friend of ours, former guest on Between the Sheets in the past, and uh, always glad to have him whenever we can get him. The man, the myth, the legend. John Philip Havage. Johnny P, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Bix, uh, they, you guys had to get me because uh, a friend of mine in New York won't do the show for, because he'll try to kill you. So that's why I had to. <laughs> Jeremy Borat was available, but I, I'm ahead of him. The other person, though, it, even on the phone, you have to have too much security. <laughs> but in, 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 the infam- in the supposed infamous words of the, uh, the great Eric Kulas, that sounds cool, but I want to do some shit to you. Oh boy, yeah. That's, that's, that, we'll be talking about that as the show goes along, that's for sure. Oh my god. Meanwhile on the internet, let the drama begin. This is far from a complete account of the internet wars of that week, but should serve as a decent summary for our purposes. Yes, I put this together, and if you want to do the legwork and search Google Groups, there's a lot more, but I kind of cut it down to the stuff that'll give you an idea of what happened without bogging you down too much. So, without further ado, Chris? All right. We begin with Wrestling Lariat editor Dave Shear on Christmas Day, 96, in the Rec Sport Pro Wrestling News Group with the subject line, Way Keller, please comment. First, let me apologize for not updating the webpage. I've been lazy and doing the holiday, holiday party thing. Sorry, I will be updating very regularly after the holidays. Thanks, Dave. Now, as this past weekend, request backed out of being a part of the proposed Eastern Fairview. Your choice already backed out, but requests in the corner. The Fairview still had great exposure and a great chance to be successful. Last Friday, my source of request told me that they had backed out of Fairview due to larger new incidents. The ECW has done the quest that had questionable taste. Specifically, Eric Cools is discussing Blade John Boston last month. My source told me the incidents were brought to our attention by a wrestling newsletter writer from Minnesota. The writer explained the instance in great depth and even told us how to get tapes when we did not know what he was referring to. The request backed out of the deal. I wish to ask Wake to comment on this. As he's the only sheet writer in Minnesota that I know of, he reads RSPW. If he doesn't, I would figure this note would be forwarded to him. Wade, would you please comment on this? Were you the guy in question? If so, was this an incident someone when Mark Manson interviewed a Hank Aaron and got Bill Watts fired? Happy holidays, everyone, from the staff of the Lariat. What an asshole. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah can we, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but can we talk about that? Okay, sure. Go ahead. Um, this is kind of what came up when I interviewed both Wade, and then I sat across from Dave and interviewed him about that. Um, 
what what does he want him to comment on? He seems to be the the crux of the argument, from what I can tell, between them. Like Todd Gordon's was more of like, oh, you're making yourself the story, and he was blaming Bruce, whereas Dave Shearer blames um, Wade. Because he was told that by his source of request that a sheet writer from Minnesota was the one that pretty much knocked him out. And we'll get oh. to that, but well, what did they do wrong? Yeah, like that's what a journalist does. It's not narking. You're calling for comment. Now, I know that the way their mindset was is that he did this to somehow hurt the quote-unquote cause. And that he went beyond the bounds of what Dave Shearer believes is, is uh, a journalist's job. But I, I've never been able to ascertain why or what, what, what that would be. Like, he called because it didn't even say there, uh, according to Dave's own words there, it doesn't even say, like, well, he sent them a tape and that's somehow wrong or against some journalistic uh, ethics code or, or integrity. He's saying that Wade made them aware of it and then said, so, so basically Wade called and said, are you aware of this? And they said no. And he said, that's odd because the owner of this company I'm calling about said you did. And they said, well, we have no idea. Where is this? What is this? I mean, I don't know if that's what they said, but I guess that's that gets into this deep minutiae, and I don't think that's important to get bogged down in. I just think it's odd that he thinks that Wade should have some solidarity to this wrestling company that he's reporting on. And the whole comment of, well, question, but really phrased in a opinionated manner is, you know, was this an instance similar to when Mark Bennett sent the interview to Hank Aaron that got Bill Watts fired? We've been over that on this very Patreon show. We did a regular show that about it, and then we did a Patreon show on all the fallout. Whatever you think of Mark Madden, Mark Madden did nothing wrong either. No. no I, I agree with that, too. I mean, he's, he's calling for comment. They're asking, what are you talking about? He's making them aware of it. They're going out, and even, again, to just reiterate and then shut the hell up, he, Dave Shearer is saying that all he did was tell them, well, this is what I'm talking about, and this is where you would see this. They may have even asked him, oh, where could we get a copy of this? Or he may have just said, well, they're, he may have said just something like, well, they're, they're outside video distributors selling a copy. And we don't know because his source seems like a third party on this too. You know, he's, his source sounds like somebody who was then told by somebody within the office, this is what happened. A gentleman from Minnesota called blah, 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 blah. And also... You know, some of the stuff I didn't include, I think he mentions, you know, we know Wade reads RSPW, even if he doesn't usually post. And I think he said he emailed him, but Wade didn't reply, or that Wade no longer replies to my emails because there was already some bullshit between them, which, if I can guess, was probably not started by Wade. Uh, (laughs) So that's why he does this. But also, like, Wade, like every other sheet writer in this era, has a voicemail that, you, you know, machine that is, you know ready and waiting for you to call if it's that important that you think he's just ignoring your email. Yeah. I would love doesn't to mention the, that. I, don't. I would love to know the full genesis of how that relationship fully deteriorated because I know that Todd Gordon subscribed to the torch and obviously um, Dave Shearer was a, a, a very aware of the torch. I won't say because I don't know for a fact that he subscribed to it, but I know he was very close with Todd Gordon. And I know that Todd and Paul very much courted the torch. They had the torch as guests for one of the cyber slams. Uh, and then in the summer of 90, 95, they, I think that might be the same. They, they went up there twice, though, because Bruce talks about meeting Dave. And Dave Shearer and the, the, the quote-unquote bleacher bums that Dave was kind of the unofficial uh, head of, 
they liked that the torch was there. They liked that they were getting coverage. And then a year later, it has really escalated. And by a year and a half, which is where we're at now, like, it's a very negative, I wouldn't even call it a relationship. It's just two sides. And uh, the, the Lariat people, who then become the one wrestling people, are very much against the, the pro wrestling torch people. Well, speaking of one wrestling. Yep. Yes. Bob Ryder on December 27th chimed in. The following of the summary of the events as best as I have been able to determine. This information comes from a variety of sources, including a high-level ECW source. Following the incident revered that involved a 17-year-old rookie. <laughs> rookie. ECW officials contacted Rob Feinstein and asked him not to sell any tapes of the incident and to return all copies to the company. By the time Feinstein received the message, he had already sold between 30 and 40 copies of the tape. Okay, I got to interrupt, by the way. Anyone who's ever dealt with RF video knows that unless it's something that they were bringing to shows, Rob never pre-dubbed anything. <laughs> anyway, carry on. All right. Uh, he said was very concerned about the incident and feared it would be the ammunition that their enemies were looking for. Uh, he said because their sponsors, their affiliates, Network One, Request TV, have used choice to advise on the incident. They were told there was an, an accident, it would be negative, but people were trying to blow it out of proportion. He should be informed in that things were under control, but felt it was important that they'd know about it up front before being informed of it from outside sources. Wade Keller, editor of Purpose of Torch, began running daily updates about the incident on the his 900 number. He should be to contact Keller for several days to respond to reports and finally made contact at 5 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, just as the torch was being finalized for publication. During an approximately hour-long conversation with Keller, ECW officials explained their version of their incident and that it had been an accident. Keller asked how they planned to cover things up to keep the preview people from knowing. ECW responded by saying they had no intention of covering anything up. And in fact, it initiated contact with their affiliates and with preview companies so they had advanced warning of the situation. Keller and Bruce Mitchell did not believe ECW proceeded to contact Request TV. They reached Hugh Panero, the president of Request TV. Panero was unaware of the situation, knew very little about ECW and the fact they were a wrestling company playing their preview. Panero was told by, about various incidents that had taken place in ECW over the past year. Based on these conversations, Panero became aware of the tape of the incident. It's not clear exactly how Panero got a copy of the tape or if he actually saw the tape, but his first knowledge of its existence apparently came in conversations with the torch. Panero reacted by deciding to cancel the pay-per-view. ECW has not received official notification of the cancellation. No contract had been signed. The plans called for signing the tape place on December 28th. ECW officials received word a few days ago that the contracts would not be signed because of content. On Monday of this week, Wade Keller contacted East to begin and asked if they stood by the comments they made about informing affiliates of favorite companies. East officials once again said they informed everyone involved and offered to give Keller the names to contact people who had been advised of the problem. In the case of Request TV, the president of the company had not been informed by ECW, but the contact person of the company had been made aware of the incident. On Tuesday, Wade Keller contacted East to begin and said, I have good news. I have called Network One and they verified your story. They were informed. There's no way that's what Wade actually said. <laughs> There's no way that it was phrased remotely like that, other than maybe I called Network One and they verified your story. Yeah. But that's all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> do you want me to wait till the, the very end? Or just... Yeah, let's go ahead. Let me go ahead and do the whole thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. I just. I'm, I'm, just the... I'm turning wow. red. But yeah, I, I have a lot of comments too. So... I know, but keep going. By this time, the word and lead the preview had been canceled, and various hotlines began reporting the reason was concern about content. Like Tuesday, a note was posted on RSPW from Dave Shearer that for the first time mentioned involvement on the part of Keller. Shearer outlined the basic scenario and asked Keller to respond and explain his actions. 
throughout the day on Christmas. More information began can become available. And on Wednesday update, Dave Meltzer said that Bruce Mitchell would have more information about the store in his Thursday update. Bruce Mitchell, a torch columnist, contributed to the Observer Hotline. His updated report on the Observer Hotline at approximately midnight late on Wednesday night. In the report, he said that he and Wade Keller have been involved in advising Request TV of the incidents and implied that they provide a copy of the tape of the mass transit incident to Request officials. Mitchell commented ECW should have burned the tape when they had a chance. Mitchell said a complete report would be in the next issue of Torch, and it would be the most comprehensive and accurate report he had ever filed. Observer Hotline messages normally remain active 24 hours. The Mitchell message was altered, and all reference to involvement by Mitchell or Carolyn had been removed by 8 a.m. Central this morning. The message still concerned the cancellation of the pay review and still contained much of the same information as the original updates. But all reference to involvement on the part of Mitchell or Carolyn had been removed. ECW officials are working on the trial repair to damage, and a representative of ECW flew to Denver for means to request TV on Thursday. There has been no comment from Wade Keller, Bruce Mitchell, any of the online services or RSPW regarding the situation and their involvement in it. Prodigy members who sent email to Keller received a form letter response that the allegations were not true and that someone was spreading incorrect information. In a phone call to Georgia Macropolis, who had never spoken to Mitchell prior to last night, Mitchell told her that the reports were wrong and they had nothing to do with the cancellation of pay review and had nothing to do with sending the tape to Request TV. On this Friday, I did on the Observer Hotline, Meltzer come in on the controversy and said many people on the internet were blaming Keller and Mitchell. Meltzer said they had nothing to do with the situation that they had not sent the tape to Request. Meltzer did not comment on whether the Mitchell update in the Observer Hotline was changed. I was told by a source of very close situation that Meltzer is the one who instructed Mitchell to change the update. Request officials are being flooded with email from concerning semi fans with no replies have been received yet. Wade Keller has also been receiving a number of email messages, but his reply has been a form letter and not responsibility, and suggesting people waiting for the rest of the story. That's about as much as I know. If I get more information, I'll post it. Bob Ryder, Prodigy Wrestling. Okay. I think before we talk, you should read the next one, because that's short and adds to this. <clears throat> okay, four days later, Bob Ryder, New Year's Eve. Man, I'll teach the guys half life. In my reporting of the events that led to the decision by Request TV to cast the East of Fairview, I say that Wade Keller and Bruce Mitchell provide the tape of the mass trans incident to official Request TV, and it turns out not to be the case. Request officials do not have a copy of the tape. My comments on the matter were based on my interpretation of the Wrestling Observer Hotline report filed by Bruce Mitchell at midnight on December 25th, 26th, a report that was pulled only a few hours after it went active. I apologize for the error, Bob Ryder. Do I need to continue, or are we, are we stopping I here? mean, I'm thinking about it. Um, I think we should have taken notes, Bix. <laughs> Keller's complained bitterly to friends and others in the business that he had been unfairly treated, but it's been nine days since controversy broke on RSPW, and Keller has not responded online. Keller responded to probably an email to various individuals with a form letter saying people should wait for the whole story to come out. But apparently Keller feels only tour subscribers are entitled to the whole story, quote-unquote. <clears throat> Keller's not had a problem in posting RSPW before just told readers that there that they should never believe anything they hear until they hear from him himself or Dave Meltzer when given the opportunity to clear things up Keller refused to comment the most baffling point in this entire controversy is the Bruce Mitchell hotline message from last Thursday a source who split to Mitchell tells me and Mitchell received a call at home from Keller instructing him around 3 a.m. telling him to change the message the version of the update that I heard Mitchell made comments such as somebody had to stop them quote unquote <clears throat> once they saw the tape and decided to cancel and ECW should have burned the tape when they had a chance, quote, quotes were paraphrased from memory. The tone of the message was boastful and gleeful, and Mitchell's not hesitant to talk about the important role that he and Wade Killer played in the cancellation of the pay-per-view. 
Mitchell has a history of making reckless statements regarding Stoneman's online reports. He reported several months ago to Sports Channel for the FBI Council. He said television shut the complaints from Gino Moore. Well, there's another, there's another enemy. About being, his, being named he said every fan of the month. He didn't report that Sports Channel had changed their mind. It turns out the show was never canceled. Mitchell wrote a column on the, uh, in the August 3rd, 1960 tour, titled The Extreme Problem. The heavily criticized promotion is fans using the words like forest, jerks, clowns, freaks, creepy, pathetic, selfish status, and sadomasochistic. Excuse me. Bruce Mitchell's hardly an unbiased journalist, quote unquote. Bob Ryder, Prodigy Wrestling. This is completely transparent blame <clears throat> shifting of, of an incident. <laughs> Like it's just, this is really uh, I haven't read this in years. This is insane to me. And Bruce um, Mitchell, well, no, he's not an unbiased journalist. He's a columnist, right? <laughs> he's an opinion columnist. Yes. Um. By the way, I did read. Hey, I was an ECW fan during this period. I would have been about to be sixteen years old and going to shows at this point. And I'm reading this: Boris, jerks, clowns, freaks, creepy. Pathetic. Uh, first of all, it's out of context, but second of all, I'm going, yeah, I've been to the ECW arena. There you go. That's about right. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, this, I'm, I mean, this is really transparent. I, I don't know why he thinks that he's, he's pretending it's for everybody, but that, that he, like, he's like, why, why doesn't um, Wade Keller respond to me? But he, but he says, like, on this board, but he really means to me. Um, why does Wade have to respond to anything that, that a guy on a message board says? Now, granted, this is 1996 internet, and it's a much smaller community, and people do know each other, but it's just, I, I don't think either of them are being reckless. They're just pointing out well, things. Even if Bob they were Ryder just like, I don't like it. Either. No. I mean, Bob Ryder is a guy who, you know, he runs the Prodigy Wrestling Service, which is a huge deal at this time. Mm-hmm. So he he is kind of a different. It's not like you know just some random scrub. I mean, Bob Ryder is a name guy in the wrestling an online wrestling fan community. He's a big deal, as, as is Dave Shearer. As is Dave Shearer, exactly. Who are not, and we should make clear who are not at this point working together. Um, not together, no. That would that would come in August of of or at least the launch of one wrestling dot would come in August. I don't know pre that. I know they knew each other because Bob would do the Prodigy play-by-play from the building, from the W Arena uh, live. And Dave was, may or may not have also been sitting up uh, in the the purchase. They were together because they would be mentioned together on commentary by Joey Stoss talking about Bob Reiner and Dave Shearer here, you know, for uh, for the online chats and whatever. Yeah, I know that they were, but wasn't that when one wrestling started? I don't. I just don't. No, really... it's ninety six. Okay. He would bring. Okay. I mean, Shearer claims that I think they weren't. He wasn't working with Bob yet, but that Bob would call him up to participate in the chats. Yeah, they weren't. I mean, they weren't working together together, but they were just there together. They, they were friends of. It would be like when I would go down to CWF. I made several friends who yeah. would then kind of like work on projects involving CWF with me. Like they were in that community. And and I have no, I'm not throwing any shade at, at that, for the record. Yeah. And also, you got to remember, too, because, you know, the web in terms of wrestling news is not big yet. I mean, I don't know how many people are on RSPW, but 
RSPW, in a sense, then, is like your wrestling crossover audience among the different online services because you can access it in some form from every service. AOL had been... I thought AOL started in 96 with Usenet access, but apparently it was 93. So you got access to it from all the different online services. Like, this is this is their big audience. There's a reason that Bob Ryder is doing this here and not on Prodigy. Also of importance... For people who don't know, the 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 Cyber Slam show of ECW that I referenced because it was partly a a quote unquote convention. They had like a Q and A thing with all the wrestlers that always culminated with Paul Heyman. Um, Bob Ryder would do like live commentary on that, uh, like like live typing out like what was being said. That was originally an RSPW convention. Um. Loud, louder, and I don't mean this again to be derisive, but like louder fans on RSPW were like, we should have a convention and we want it to be with our promotion. And that was ECW. And um, that convention was run until the last year, I believe, by, um, by a gentleman named Tom Misnick. But Dave Shear could have run it. He just didn't want to. And that's something that I believe he personally said to me. <clears throat> So there's there's deep ties is what I'm saying. Like this RSPW isn't just some random message board in 1996. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess really kind of your hub. It's your Twitter for hardcore wrestling fans who are like knowledgeable enough to be on the internet and know how to use it. But they're also a lot of them are very active people yeah. who go to make money in in and around wrestling. Or some who were like I don't know if he still was at this point. You know, Mark Marrow would post there. Um, trying to think who else in like the big two were. I'm trying uh, to blank. Not not big two, but uh, a guest on 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 this podcast, uh, Dave Prezak, yeah. I believe. I mean, yeah, you're. That's a good point. Like, it is kind of the wrestling Twitter of the <clears throat> era, and that would that would really change. Like, I would say, I mean, in '97, after this whole thing kind of blows over, is when I think the AOL users kind of really start to take over RSPW, and then. RSPWM, the moderated RSPW starts, and everything kind of splinters from there. And, and Prodigy falls apart, too. Yeah, so Prodigy doesn't have its strong th- form anymore. AOL's Grandstand, which was their, you know, AOL-hosted, you know, hardcore wrestling. Well, it was their sports forms, which included a wrestling section that was, like, their hardcore wrestling fan section. That goes by the wayside, I want to say late 97, early 98. So... I mean, RSPW, until you get, like, your social media factions, is really the most universal gathering place you have. To hear this entire show, support Between the Sheets on Patreon for just $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash between the sheets.